Can I tell you, Safari, in something? The day that you make a decision to do something great in your life, you will be challenged. I've lived that so many different times. You will be challenged. The day you decide, the second you decide, I am going to do something great, and you start taking actions towards it, you will be challenged. Your faith will be challenged to see if that's something that you really, really want to do. On this show, we help both aspiring and seasoned wedding professionals build the business of their dreams by leveraging relevant business tips, strategies, and interviews from some of the top wedding professionals from around the world. Full disclaimer, the Wedding Safari team fundamentally believes that there's enough wedding business out there for anyone who wants it. Furthermore, we all have to get started from somewhere. Having the proper map and compass to guide you through the Wedding Safari is what we're here to do. You're listening to the Wedding Safari Podcast with your host, Milton Lawrence Jr., and this is episode number five. Welcome, Safarians, to this episode of the Wedding Safari Podcast. I am super excited to have none other than a New Orleans-based full-time wedding photographer, Miss Ciara Johnson-Hicks. You can find her work. You, she's been featured in Grace Oman, The Coordinated Bride, New Orleans Wedding Magazine, and Monolucci Bride. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to be able to interview Miss Sierra. We're going to be talking about something that uh, a lot of wedding photographers, wedding vendors, uh, wedding professionals deal with uh, a decision, a major decision that you have to make at some point in time in your career. And that's called taking the big leap. Okay. Uh, Steve Harvey talks about it in his book uh, where he talks about literally taking that leap, taking that leap of faith. At some point in time, you're going to have to jump and let your parachute kind of open up. And so I'm super excited to have her on the show. And I cannot wait for her to tell you basically her transition. Or how she took in the things that she did to be able to become a full-time wedding photographer. Welcome, Sierra. Hi, thank you. So, tell us, when you first got started, take us back to when you first got started as a wedding a wedding photographer. Did you start off in weddings? Um, were you working full-time? Before the big leap, bring us up to speed. Yes, of course. So, basically, my journey started, I would actually say, a very long time ago. Um, as a kid, honestly. I've always been the one with the camera in my hand. I knew, I guess I knew then what I thought I didn't know about my career back then as far as what I wanted to do. But as far as when you grow up, your parents have their own particular thoughts for what your career should be or where you should be going. And I think I allowed my parents to make decisions for me instead of following my own instincts when I decided what I wanted to do in my life as far as a career. So just to kind of go back a little bit further than when I first started, when it was time for me to go to college, I told my parents that I wanted to go to college to be a movie director, ironically. And my dad was like, that's not a real career. That's not something that I would make money with. You know, you have to have money to get into that field. And it's not something that you just start making money. There's a lot of starving artists out there. And he wanted me to be in a field where I would be able to be successful. So he said he wasn't going to pay for that. And I needed to find something else. I was a little discouraged because I was like, this is something that I love. I love video. I love photography. This is what I want to do. And when your parents are paying for your education, you kind of have to go the route that they tell you, essentially. Right. So I decided that I would go into marketing and my thoughts were that I would be able to be into entertainment marketing. So it was kind of like my slide into the entertainment field where I would still be around the arts, but I didn't technically have to be the one doing the art. 
because it was something I knew I wanted to be in. So I went to school for marketing, finished my career as far as my education was concerned. And something was still missing when I finished school. Like I was working at a bank. I had a really great career in commercial banking and I still just didn't feel like it was where I was supposed to be. And there were a couple of times where I um, I progressed as far as promotions. And one of the things I felt as a young woman in the commercial banking world, I felt that I had to continuously progress. So in my mind, I was like, every two years, I want to grow as far as my role in the company. Mm-hmm. And when things started to slow down, I was like, okay, I've grown here. I've been promoted here. But now things are kind of coming to a head. It was like I wasn't moving any further in the company. And I started to become very frustrated because I knew that I was just as great as the people that were being promoted. But for whatever reason, I was not getting to the next level. Something one day in me was like, you know what, I'm just going to start taking pictures as a hobby because it just was always there. I've always had a camera in my hand. Even after going to school for marketing, I still was a person that just loved taking pictures. So I was like, I'm just going to do this as a hobby. I started taking pictures as a hobby. I bought my first camera, just kind of playing around with my son, taking pictures of him. And then one of my um, co-workers at the bank, she was getting married and she was like, hey, she was like, you take such great pictures. She was like, what have you ever, you know, thought about doing wedding? And I was like, well, yeah, it's something that I would have liked to be in. But, you know, that train passed, you know, in my mind thinking, you know, I didn't go to school for it. It's not something that I, you know, want to charge anyone for at this point. And so she was like, you know, you really take great pictures. Maybe you should, you know, reconsider. So after a few days, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I really, really love like I love love and I love emotion and my photos. I felt that was something that I always tried to capture, even with my son. It wasn't ever just like, hey, baby, pose like this, pose like that. I always loved capturing those moments of him actually playing and, and, and you know, candid moment. Mm-hmm. So I talked back to her and I was like, you know what? Would you be interested in me taking your pictures? And so she was like, of course. So she was like, just tell me how much you would charge me. Well, obviously, <laughs> I wasn't like a professional photographer at the time. So I was like, oh, you know, just whatever to cover, you know, me getting there and things like that. And she was like, fine. So she was like how's like 500 i was like that's great you know right so i'm thinking at the time 500 dollars that sounds wonderful well it was actually a really big wedding she had over 400 guests but i like prepared i planned i was so excited about it and so i went i took the pictures and i couldn't believe it because they literally came out in my opinion amazing for my very first wedding and it was actually a pretty beautiful wedding too. It was crazy how it just kind of happened that way. And the funniest thing is, you know, photographers that may be listening to this, I was that Uncle Bob, essentially, you know, like I had a little basic entry level camera. I had my flash on top of the camera, no off camera lighting. It was just me and my camera. And I went in there like I was the Susan Stripling of photography, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) I literally I took and I I told myself, I said, you are going to be great at this. This is going to be amazing. I went in there with a positive mindset. Some kind of way the pictures came out wonderful. So after that, it just became something I was like, you know what? Maybe this is something I could do. You know, maybe it's not too late for me to start my photography career. And maybe I'm not progressing in my corporate job because this might not be where I should be. 
So I talked to my husband about it and I was like, you know, I think I want to really do this. Like, and you know, I think people sometimes they, they come up with these ideas and they're like, I want to do this and I want to try this. And they just jump around into different hobbies and different things, just trying to find a way to make money. And honestly, the beginning of this was really never about money for me. It really was just, I felt like I had a missing void in my life. And obviously this was something I was supposed to be doing. So I'll tell you what's funny about that. Um, I recently just interviewed Winston and Susan Delaware, right? Um, I think they recently liked one of your posts on Instagram or Twitter or something like that. And you posted it. Yeah. You just never know who's watching you, right? The crux of their interview was these are luxury wedding production people. They do photography and video production. They specialize in. In the crux of their interview, they talked a lot about we don't do this for the money. We love photography. We love brides. We love weddings. And you could feel and hear the sincerity in their voice, their voices. And after we turned the cameras off, after we turned the, the, you know, the, the audio recorders off, I asked him to expound on that a little bit more. And he says it's just he, he, he talked about he equated it to the person who shines shoes. Right. They love shine. They love shoes. The cobbler. Right. Who makes shoes or whatever. Or the haberdashery. Whatever. They love shoes. When it comes to loving what it is that you do and you're not doing it for money, it makes all the difference in the world. And I got to have to tell you, it was something that I struggled with. You know, I used to, you know, being a sarcastic person, I would say, and somebody may, some people, some people that are listening to this podcast may turn around and ask that, say the same thing. That is, if you love what you do and you're doing and you're not doing it for the money, then just do it for free. And you say, well, that just then the practical piece has to come in and you say, well, you know, well, you have to make a living. That wasn't the point. And I don't, and I don't really think it's the point that you're making right now, which is when you, when you're absolutely loving what you're doing, you never have to work a day in your life. Number one. And two, it doesn't matter the amount of money you make. I'm still not doing it for the money. I'm, you know, a, a, a an equitable, fee needs to be paid for the service but i'm not doing mm-hmm. it for the money and I, it took me a long term to figure that out and i'm i'm glad you're sharing that because a lot of because of the low barrier of, here's the bigger point because of the low barrier of entry into the wedding professional space anyone can come up and say that i have a i have a camera I, i'm a wedding photographer right and, yes. and that's essentially it and so I, I'm, I'm glad that you shared that yes i totally agree and that's funny that you say that because it actually evolved from there when i realized that it was a passion like it really was a true passion. And I was able to tap into those those feelings I used to feel back in elementary school and high school about photography when I realized I really loved photographing love. Essentially, mm-hmm. it all kind of started to come full circle. So, you know, of course, when you figure that out, then you say, OK, well, am I good enough? So the next step <laughs> was to really like zone in on the craft. And it not just be me being another person that just picks up a camera and says, hey, I'm a professional wedding photographer. Like, that's never been my thing. I've always been really heavy on education. Um, I grew up in a family full of educated people. And it's just it's been instilled in me to to educate myself. So before I got to a point where I was really going to take money from anyone, I really wanted to really learn the craft. And I really more so wanted to learn more about the wedding industry as a whole to make sure that this was for sure an industry where while my passion was there would also be able to become essentially my paycheck. So I want you to stop there for one second. We're going to do something. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to fast forward Mm -hmm. and we're going to come back to this point. Okay. So I'm going to fast forward. Knowing what you know now, 
how important was it for you to go get yourself educated on not just being a good wedding photographer, but having a holistic, taking the holistic approach and really understanding how all the various pieces to a wedding day, um, understanding planning, understanding florals, understanding, you know, all of the various logistics to putting together that wedding day, and then tying that back to the, the technical piece of understanding photography, lighting, and all those types of things, knowing what you know now. How important was that decision going back and, and really educating yourself early on and not waiting until maybe a, a mishap happens before you decide that, hey, I'm going to go and, and, and get better and get smarter. And, you know, so this doesn't happen again. How important is that? That was probably my greatest asset, I would have to say. Literally, it took me. OK, so let's just say this. I've been in business six years. Okay. But if we really look at my real start in the industry, I would say it was three years ago because I, it took me three years to really get to a point where I felt like I understood the industry as a whole and not just the photography aspect. With my journey, I actually um, mentored with a professional wedding photographer in my area. And I will never forget my very first wedding with him was I was blown away because I could not believe that I did not realize how much went into the wedding itself. You know, I, I just was kind of like, OK, I just want to take really pretty pictures and I want these people to love their pictures. And I love, you know, just capturing these moments. But it was so much bigger than that. So is that a so, naive statement? Is that how naive is that? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not that simple. It's just, it's more so, first of all, it's someone's wedding day. That's the first thing. Right. So it's the most important day of their life other than the birth of their children. So you have the responsibility of capturing every single detail and element of this person's day as flawlessly as possible. But there are other things that can cause issues if you're not well prepared, which is not knowing the wedding industry. So that wedding that I went to with him, I learned more about timelines. I learned that they there's something called a first look. I learned about, you know, how the planners interact with the photographers. I learned how the venues, you know, have restrictions here and there, you know, Catholic weddings. I'm in Louisiana. We are a Catholic state. You know, Catholic weddings, it's a full hour ceremony. You can't have flash in the churches. There's so many things that I learned working with this photographer that I had no clue about. So I would say, you know, it's very important to take time to educate yourself on the industry as a whole and also obviously your craft. So I can tell you something that's pretty funny. Maybe about six months ago, I assisted Susan Delaware. I'll go back to that, that wedding. Uh, and we were in Florida. It was a Jewish wedding and the, the wedding was, it was a 14 hour day. Okay. It was almost a 14 hour day. Okay. And so up to this point, I have had never shot a Jewish wedding. Now, I've been in the industry almost mm -hmm. nine years at this point, seven, eight, well, eight years at that point. And I had never shot a Jewish wedding. And so this is a Sunday wedding. I'm sorry, Saturday wedding. And the wedding is at night. Literally, it has to be when it's pitch black outside. Okay. No mm -hmm. sun, no, no sunset, no, none of it. It's pitch black. And so if I had not assisted them, and let's just say I accepted that wedding, with, even with all the experience that I have, I would have messed those people's day up because I would not have been prepared. You had to have the proper flashes, the proper lenses, uh, proper video. And they had photography and video. And 
it was it was it wasn't bedlam, but it was a little bit of bedlam because again it was pitch black out there. The lighting they did have out there was it was it was specifically for the ceremony, a piece of it. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to get any reactions because everyone's faces were pitch black. And so watching uh, Susan and her team pull together the lighting setup for that was absolutely invaluable. And I cannot tell you how you know how important it is when you're just getting started in any genre of photography. I don't care if it's planning. I don't care if it's you know DJing. I don't care if it's photography video you have to assist you have to spend that time uh, and invest that time assisting someone and and, and my suggestion is to do it with no with no expectation of anything in return um Correct. Don't go there looking to, to be paid or anything like that. Go learn the craft. I promise you it's something that you don't know that you, that's going to help you to become better and, and to help you to you know, take things to the next level. And it will prepare you for the time when it's time for you to go shoot shoot the that particular wedding or that, that culture wedding uh, so that, mm-hmm. again, things will become a lot easier for you and it becomes predictable. And so, I, you know, I commend you for, you know, take, for taking that to taking those actions before stepping out there and saying, OK, I'm now ready to go out and take take the next step what was the next step for you after after going through that three years of, of, of training and learning and that type of thing um so after the mentoring with my mentor at the time um i realized that i wasn't ready so i definitely pulled back and this was all within this course of probably the two years so what i did was i invested in going to conferences at that point i was trying to really figure out more so my gear um, learning about equipment. And then once I got all of that wrapped up, it was time to start promoting myself as a brand. And that's where I began working with some of the images that I had captured over those three years. But they they were not all the type of client that I wanted because at the same time I was learning. Right. So those prior three years were not like my greatest work, but it was evolving into that. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my friends, I photographed her engagement photos and of one of her friends saw the pictures and loved them. And these I will say this was at a point where my images had gotten to a point where I was much more comfortable with the quality, much more comfortable with my my craft. So when she saw the picture, she came to me and she was like, oh, my God, I'm looking for a wedding photographer. I would love it if you would do my wedding. Well, she was like a full blown high-end kind of bride, well, high-end at the time for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I went ahead, we booked, I booked her. She was my first full paying bride with my new prices where I was like, okay, I can call myself a wedding photographer. I'm going to hold off on a professional side just for now because it was still going to be new. You know, this was going to be like one of my very first bigger weddings, full paid by myself. Mm-hmm. Not with my mentor, not second shooting or anything like that. So, so I before you, wedding. let me ask this question. So, it, would uh-huh. you mind sharing uh, when you went from that first three years or so with a certain set of pricing to this new set of pricing where people were paying you full your full pricing, your full your full asking price? How big of a jump was that? Okay, so we know the first wedding was five hundred dollars. That right. was just that very first one. Well, when I started doing pricing. My pricing was like it's still at that point wasn't really based on profit. It was still more so based on me building my portfolio. And I had this amazing full time corporate job that paid the bills plus some. So for me starting out, I wasn't really trying to price for profit. I was trying to price for my portfolio. 
Got it. So and to, so, what's going to allow you to build your portfolio the fastest? Correct. I'm not even going to go as far as fastest because I did still want to have a certain quality of a client. Sure. So it wasn't just really, really inexpensive. I thought it was a very fair price compared to what I had been seeing and hearing in the industry as far as my local market. Okay. So I basically kind of put myself, you know, like I looked at averages and I put myself at the lower end of those averages because I'm the type of person where I'm not going to take money from someone that I shouldn't be taking. I knew that I was not on, uh, say, if we have a level of A, B, and C, and A being the highest paid photographer, I knew that I was more like a D list. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I knew I had to continue to grow my portfolio before I could ask for top dollar for anything. But I still wanted to be able to make some type of money to go towards like new gear. You know, you have to upgrade gear to be to be able to get better imagery. So I just priced for, you know, enough to be able to cover her products, be able to cover, you know, any investments I needed to make as far as new products. I mean, new camera equipment. Mm -hmm. And then that was really it. Awesome. So new pricing has come out. You're now getting your full your full price at this point. The next question now becomes, what happens next? So I do the wedding and this was my very first time. Okay, so let me hold on one second. My sister, she's a lot younger than me and she's my assistant. She's mm-hmm. been with me since the beginning and everything I learned, I taught her because it was just, I wanted to make sure I always had a second shooter and a second shooter that was my own, not just hiring, outsourcing. Like I really wanted someone that knew my what I wanted, my branding, my level of, you know, what I expect. So my sister kept saying, Sierra, you really need to get on Instagram. You really need to get on Instagram. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm 31. So I feel like now I'm becoming old school. <laughs> so before my sister's younger than me, she's eight years younger. So this was when the Instagram, you know, was really getting big. And she was like, you like more people would see your work if you're on Instagram. And I'm like, what is Instagram? Right. And so, so eventually I looked into it. I did some research and I was like, OK, let me try this out. Let me get on this thing and create a business page. So I did. So this was during the time of my client's um, wedding. Well, once the wedding ended, I posted a couple of sneak peeks. The funniest thing happened. My picture went viral (laughs) on Weddings on Point. Um, I don't know if a lot of people have heard of that particular Instagram page, but it's Weddings on Point. And they picked up the picture. I don't know how, but they picked it up. They reposted it. And out of nowhere, I got all these followers. I got all these reposts. And I was like, whoa, what is happening? And so... That was kind of the start of everything. It was crazy to me because that was it. It just it was like it was all meant to be. It all happened how it was supposed to. Right. And from that point, I started getting bookings like clients in this area who followed that page Mm -hmm. were like, oh, wow, I never heard of you. You know, I started getting all kinds of emails. And that really was my pivotal point where people really started to find out more about me. So at this time, at this point, you're still working your full time job. Yes. Okay. So at at what point in time did you make the decision? Was there, was there some type of major event that happened uh, that you, you decided to make the leap or what, what led to you uh, making the leap to leaving your full-time job? So my goal was always um, to essentially be either an executive in a company Mm -hmm. or to own my own company. I was not built to work for someone else on a lower level. Like I have so much drive and ambition that 
I've always, always strived for like the top. So like I said earlier, when I was stuck in my, my company and I could not progress, it was driving me insane. So one of the things I said once I realized that this wedding photography was something that could essentially become a paycheck for, you know, for me, I said, if this is meant to be, then it will continue to progress to a point where it exceeds my salary. And I told myself, I gave myself a five-year plan. I wrote it down, made a little five-year plan. And I decided that if 20, well, this time, this was around 2014. So I said, in 2015, if I exceed my salary in 2015, then I will make the decision to leave at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And I worked really, really hard. In 2014, I ended up doing 28 weddings. And then in 2015, I did 30 weddings. So it was like it just continued to grow. And obviously, my pricing changed over time. It's actually every six months, I was changing it because I was booking and I was getting better. And, you know, I was more comfortable. Once I made it to that point, that was that was it. <laughs> so you, you took the leap of faith. Yes. Was it, was it an e was once you made the leap, was it an easy transition? Not at all. It was not easy at all. So did you um, have this grandioso of kind of thought in your mind? I'm going to make the leap of faith and, you know, I'm going to continue to book weddings. Things are going to go extremely well and, you know, off in off to the next next chapter of my life. Is that kind of what your thought was? You know, you had your plan because you seem like you're a planner. Is that. Is that kind of mentally what you had in your mind? Yes. Yeah, so mentally, I, I was in the process of, okay, if you are exceeding your salary, and in my mind, exceeding is basically doubling because I don't, I didn't want to go from making the same thing and just making a couple hundred, a thousand dollars more than what I was making. I really needed it to be something that was, you know, very lucrative for me to be able to leave my job where I have job security, I have health insurance, I right. have, you know, a 401k, it, it needed to be a little more in excess. And that ended up happening. So um, my thought process was, okay, now that I'm full time, or when I become full time, I'll be able to invest so much more time into my business and so much more time into my family. Because at the time, my family was really struggling, because I was working like a mad woman. I mean, Literally, I would get off from work. I would come home. I would edit. I was, um, you know, working a nine to five. I worked Monday through Friday. So I had to do weddings and sessions on weekends. So there was no, you know, scheduling my engagements and my bridals during the week. Everything was being done on weekends. So I was taking all that time away from my family. And it just really was becoming a massive struggle. So on top of making money, at this time, you know, to be able to be my own boss, I was also trying to figure out a way to give my family time back because this dream had become so possessive in a sense because I knew it was really something that I really wanted to do and something that felt right for me that I, I, I was focusing on this dream so much that I almost lost sight of my entire life outside of this wedding photography. Essentially, um, I definitely put everything into it and my plan <laughs> my plan was like I said to be able to live make my funds and then provide time to my family for all the time that I lost with them so I tell you what's funny about this this part of the story this is actually when you and I met 
Uh, it's around the time yes. that you and I met uh, in uh, in Barbados. Yes. 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 And so Correct. you had made that transition, uh, and about a month later, uh, a major event happened in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Care to share that? Sure. Um, so 2015, I left my job October of 2015 and the retreat, which we're speak where I met you, um, we met at a wedding conference in Barbados that was in December. Mm-hmm. Well, upon returning, my husband and I had been going through a lot at the time because of this whole schedule and me like really focusing on this wedding industry and my photography Essentially, he decided, um, you know, that I wasn't being a good wife and he basically left. (laughs) So that was a major um, blow to my leap of faith, because this is the thing. I'm a planner, like you said. So my plans never included my family falling apart. My plans were all for me to be able to spend more time with my family. And prior to um, going full time, I actually tried to figure out ways to, to not be in that position. So one of the things I did before I left my job was um, I dedicated the, every third Saturday to my family. It was like I had to schedule my family. It was horrible, but it was the only thing I could think of to be able to try to alleviate the issue as best as possible without just giving up on this dream and without giving up because I knew I just could feel it in my spirit that I was meant to do this and I was meant to be a full-time entrepreneur. Right. So that didn't particularly work out too well because, you know, obviously it continued to build and build and build. And so when I returned from Barbados and my husband and I weren't seeing eye to eye, you know, he decided it was just time for him to go his separate way (laughs) financially. You know, when you plan to do something as an entrepreneur and you have a spouse, you you essentially are planning for a two person household based off of what it is that you think that you're going to be bringing in. And that changed in an instant. For me, my journey became automatically a struggle as soon as I made the decision. Can I tell you, Safari, in something? The day that you make a decision to do something great in your life, you will be challenged. I've lived that so many different times. You will be challenged. The day you decide, the second you decide, I am going to do something great, and you start taking actions towards it, you will be challenged. Your faith will be challenged to see if that's something that you really, really want to do. Now, this is Sierra's journey. Right. The serendipity to this whole story uh, or the irony of this whole story uh, is that it turns out to a fairy tale ending, in, in, my, in my opinion. And so she, and I'll, I'll, she's going to share that. But the, the bigger point is that you cannot stop. You have to continue to go. A month later, after she and I met, um, she actually made a decision to come up to do a style shoot doing a collaboration. And she did a style shoot. And I want you to talk about that because I think that point was pivotal. Um, it was one of the one of the pivotal decisions that you made, even though you know you were going through what you were going through. You made a decision to leave your job. You did that in October. You attended a conference. You did that, and then less than thirty days later, you you find out your husband is going to be leaving. You know for whatever reason. And but mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't sl- you didn't stop. You kept going, and you learned some lessons. And that's what I want to spend the rest of this interview talking about. What some of those lessons learned in previous interviews? I talked about work life balance and figuring out what we need to do as entrepreneurs to make sure that we don't forget life as we're making a living. You know, Denzel Washington talks about this all the time. You know, don't ever forget that you have a life. 
in your life of things that never change, right? So Denzel Washington talks about making a life and never forget, never confusing the two between making a life and making a living. And making a life is your kids, your husband, your wife, your, your, you know, the things that, that will never change, the things, the, those core things that will going to be with you for the rest of your life. Where your business, you'll have your ebbs and flows. There's going to be good times, bad times, and you never forget those things. And so sometimes as entrepreneurs, especially us ambitious ones, we tend to sometimes get out of balance. And there's never any 100% like great balance, but we do have to keep in mind of the living piece as we're making a living. We did an interview. You. And if with your permission, I would like to tag that video that we, when I interview, you came to Baltimore and I want you to talk about that process of going from Louisiana and coming up to DC and we'll give the short version so they can watch the full version inside the video. So give us the, the, the cliff note version of what happened, you know, weeks before and, and just how your faith was tested and how it all just kind of came full circle. Yes. So we're going to go with the shorter version. What we can do is. Basically, when all of that happened, I was in a whirlwind. My mind was like, okay, God, are you telling me that I should go back to work? Are you telling me that I'm not supposed to be doing this? This was the sign that I was like, wait a minute, I don't want to lose my family for this crap. So I took some time and I really pulled back and I, I was trying to get my thoughts together because I was really in a bad place. You know, my husband is my biggest supporter. You know, my son doesn't know life without his whole family. So it was like, did I make the wrong decision? Well, at this time, I had invested in so many things because, like I said, I was planning this and it all worked out. Everything happened to a T to be able to allot me the time and the, the funds to be able to go full time. So I had just purchased a brand new vehicle, very expensive vehicle, because I have a photo booth and I needed something to transport that in. So I had this brand new car. I had a new studio that I had just signed a lease for in um, October. And then my husband left in December. So I had all of this responsibility. You know, I have a mortgage. I have a son. I had to invest in health care. I was like, wow, like this is not maybe this was the wrong decision. I started questioning myself. Well, one thing that started happening for me, I started to realize that I couldn't just turn around instantly. I had to really process my thoughts. There was an event coming up in Atlanta for Mona Lucci Bride. And I decided that it was something that I wanted to go to and support them because they've been very supportive of my career. And in turn, it was also the, the style shoot that you're speaking of. I had that coming up that very same weekend. So I made a decision to go to this particular event and then I was going to fly from there to go to D.C., come out to where you guys are for the style shoot, which was planned. And that was something that was a result of the conference that I went to in December. So I wanted to stick to my my commitment with that because this was something I had already started working on in December prior to my divorce. I planned all this stuff out and a little bit before it was time for me to go, money started to run out because now I am going from that two-person household to the one-person household. And all of these expenses were really piling up on me. Well, as my money started to run out, I was, you know, like, whoa, something needs to happen really soon or I'm not going to be able to, you know, make this trip. Being the type of person that I am, I really believe and just really shooting for the stars and going for your dreams and doing what you have to do. So I decided I was going to go to Atlanta, which is where the, the show was. And at the time, I didn't have enough money to cover a hotel room. I asked my sister who was coming with me. Um, I asked her if she would be OK with sleeping in the car. And it's like super embarrassing. But 
it's <laughs> and I always like get super emotional when I talk about it because it's just it's, it's real. Just one of the it's yeah, real. it's like and even when I think about it, I'm just like I can't believe that I really did that. Like I can't believe I had the audacity to ask another human being to sleep in a car for something that wasn't their passion or their dream, you know, it's mine. And my sister, like I said, she's been with me from the beginning. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> no, it's all good. And see, you know, the safarians <laughs> won't be able to see this, but she's actually crying. And the reality, because it's real, it's very real. And sometimes you're going to have to make decisions that don't feel good. Uh, that will make you emotional. The most that most people will never understand. And I remember you and I talking about this when you came to Baltimore, most people will never mm -hmm. understand the decisions that you make now but make them anyway. Go anyway. Go right. for it. Because, you know, it will pay, it, it will pay back 20-fold, 10-fold, whatever the case may be. So I'll let you finish. Go ahead. <laughs> I agree. Thank you so much. So, yeah, my sister, she was 100% down for the cause, basically. <laughs> and she said, no problem. That's fine. And one of the reasons why it, was, it wasn't too tough for me is because the event was an evening event. Um, we were flying out first thing in the morning and, you know, it's just, it wasn't an investment that I could make at the time because I didn't have the money to waste. I knew when I got to DC, I would have to have, you know, money out there. So the little bit of funds that I had, which at the time was around at about a hundred dollars <laughs> was going to be something that I really was going to have to stretch. So the decision to sleep in our car was a decision that we were okay with and was going to happen by some miraculous way. Um, basically, God saying, hey, girl, this is what you're supposed to be doing. God stepped in and three days before the actual day we were leaving, I had multiple situations happen where I had multiple booking over the course of these days and ended up going from basically $1,000 to $3,000 overnight, essentially. And once again, you know, the video goes through that whole journey. So if anyone's interested, you definitely are welcome to watch the videos that Milton's going to tag. But that was affirmation for me because I was on my last leg financially and I had made the decision to sleep in my car. I had made the decision to go and do all of these things because I knew in my spirit that I had to. I felt like these were things that were going to put me in a, a better position in my career, a better place in my journey. And I was committed to that. Being able to have these in these situations come up days before leaving was basically allowed us to be able to get a hotel room. And once again, a short version of this is I actually had a bride in Atlanta that came to that hotel room, that same hotel room that I wasn't going to have and actually booked me in Atlanta, which was my actual first Atlanta wedding. So that whole story, once again, is on the video. So definitely go check it out. Overall, that basically told me right there, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Stick to it. There's a bigger lesson here. It's not, you know, I think I took from that. It's not the photography that you have to learn a lesson with. It's more so about the journey and where you're going overall in the end. We can get into that, but the end is your family comes first. Amazing. I could actually stop the interview at this point right here. You learned some <laughs> lessons along the way. No, seriously, I, I, we really could, but we're not going to. Because I, there were some lessons that you learned along the way to, that would help prevent you from going back to what it, that, to that event that happened at the end of December, which, which was the culmination of your husband feeling like, hey, 
you know, there was probably other things too, but this was probably the biggest. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't marry a photographer. I married Sierra. I married my wife, right? What were some of the lessons learned over the course of, let's say, that year? Because you, you've had some things happen. I think another hurricane came through or something like that. You, yeah. you, had, you had some life to hit you. you if you, if you <laughs> want to talk about a test, and let me say this, you know, kind of pivot and say this. When you make the decision... When those life situations happen, know that it's normal. Anyone who's done anything mm-hmm. great and big in their life, they had to deal with these things. Yours may be different than Sierra's. Mine's is different than, than Steve Harvey's or whoever the kid. We all had these different hurdles that you're going to go through. You're going to be tested. That's where testimony comes from. It's a test that you're going to have to overcome, whatever it may be. It may be death. It may be your car breaking down. It could be a very, you know, a bunch of different things. And no, this is not a feel-good podcast, right, with a bunch of tactics. But these lifelong things that you can take with you, no longer, no matter whether you're in the wedding wedding industry or not, that you can use to be able to help you to overcome anything that you're dealing with. Just know every successful person had to go through their journey. And so she's sharing hers. And I thought it was very relevant because many of you will make the decision to make the leap in sometime in the next 20, 24 months or whenever you decide to do it. And just know when you do that, this is going to meet life will meet you there and you're going to have to overcome it and, and go from there. Let's fast forward to what happened over the process over the course of the year of going into 2000, I think it's 16 at this point. Yes. And so what were some of those life lessons? Because obviously you did speak with your husband and, you know, and you guys talked and, and you started kind of reflecting and making different decisions. And this is the part you and I never talked about, but I would love for you mm-hmm. to share it if you don't mind, because again, you just never know. Somebody may be dealing with this. I would venture to say that over 70% of the wedding professionals out there are not on the same sheet of music with their their, their significant others. Many of them, they support them, mm-hmm. but they don't really understand what it really takes as a solopreneur you know building you know building mm-hmm. out a, a real wedding business and being an impact player and being known and the bigger you become the more energy that it takes and the more it takes away from the family so what were some of those life lessons that you learned over the course of, of 2016 2016 was the most amazing but the most horrible year of my absolute life <laughs> the craziest thing was my business was in full flourish mode i mean i was I think I traveled more than anything last year photographing different events and weddings. Last year was absolutely amazing photographically, but on the personal side, I was still struggling with the separation. Mm -hmm. And that was huge for me because my husband has been my biggest supporter from day one. My husband is who I go to when I'm down about anything that's going on in my business, everything. So for me not to have him, it was like something. Now I have another thing that's missing. And the same way that I felt about my photography when I was not in it was the same way I felt about my family being separated and the same way I felt about my husband not being with me. I took some time, honestly, to really reflect on what was important, what was what at the end of the day was valuable. And I asked myself this one question. I said, who are you doing this for? The first answer that comes to mind is, oh, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this because I want to provide a better life for my family, right? That's the, the, the normal answer. And I told myself that when I first asked myself the question and I, I said, you know, you're doing this for your family. You're doing this so that you can, you know, provide this lifestyle and, you, you know, spend more time with your son and blah, 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 blah. But guess what? That's not what happened, right? I was taken away from my family. I wasn't spending time with my family because I was so busy pursuing this dream of 
this photography and this being, you know, a a key player in the wedding industry that I lost sight of why I was supposed to be doing this. So if I'm supposed to be doing all of this for my family, why am I not with my family? How did how did it become a situation where my family is separated if I'm doing this for my family? When I really became honest with myself, I realized that I was doing this for me. This was my dream. This isn't my family's dream. My family was just fine when I was in commercial banking. We had weekends together. We had evenings together. You know, my family didn't ask for this. My husband didn't ask for this. So I had to really like self-evaluate. And the things that he was complaining about as far as time and putting my family first, like it really started to resonate when I was honest with myself. It was until that moment where I realized, whoa, like you were a horrible wife. (laughs) Like if I'm really being honest, you know, like I really married the business. And the funny thing is I started this business in 2011 and I got married in 2011. So my husband essentially never fully had me, which is so sad, you know, when I really think about it, because I really did not see it. Until he left. And once again, I'm, I'm a big baby over here. It's <laughs> all good. I'm so sorry. But, you know, this is really real for me. This is really a true, this is my journey. And and even today, like, it's I'm still trying to balance it all. And I'm still trying to make sure that my priorities are my family. That was the pivotal point in our relationship where I was able to honestly take responsibility for the things that went wrong. I wasn't just pointing the finger or saying, you know, you're not supporting me or, you know, you have to be patient. You have to be patient during this journey. Well, why? No. Why should he be patient? Why? If it were the other way around, you know, if if it's a male photographer and he has a wife, why should he expect his wife to be patient while he's pursuing a dream that is essentially excluding her or leaving her behind? It's the same thing for me. You know, as a as a woman, I have to still put my family first. And that's where I was lying to myself by saying doing it for them because I wasn't. I was doing it for myself. You have no idea how powerful that is and how many people you're going to help. It may not necessarily be the same scenario as as yours, but a lot of wedding professionals, I've spoken to them, so I know for a fact, and and I've lived what you're talking about, where where you have the feeling that you're not being supported, when the reality of it is, how do I find a way, and I think you said it, how do I find a way where I can still pursue my dream, but it's still create enough balance and, and give the, the, the feeling that my family, number one, the family is first, right? And I st- here's what I believe. I still believe that you were doing it for your family. It was just the way you were going about doing it made, made them feel excluded. And so how do we do this such a way where they get what they need and you get what you need? Because to, to if you were to say, I, I, I'm only going to focus on the family and not pursue the dream, it would eat you up on the inside. But if you go full okay. bore... Right. You swing the pendulum on the other side and you go full bore and you don't and you don't give that time and energy to them where they feel like that, you know, they're included uh, or they have their that exclusive time to themselves outside of photography. I really feel like that is what starts to create that problem. And let me just share this. And, and again, this is not one of those feel good podcasts. I'm, 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 t- I'm going to talk about it from a man's perspective and the thing that we as men never talk about. OK, we have a lot of I, w- I would probably venture to say 60 percent of the industry is a, a women, you know, what? 
from planners to photographers to florists and that type of thing. As men, one of the things that we don't do is we don't communicate well. Okay, a lot of us don't communicate well, and it's and a lot of times what we will do is when we see things that are going things are going bad in our marriages, we get quiet. And we won't say anything. Mm-hmm. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And to the point where all we know to do is just, I, I'm trying to get your attention. And maybe we've brought it up. Maybe there's been an argument or two. Maybe there's been a disagreement or two or more. And maybe you start arguing about petty stuff that has nothing to do with the real issue. And then eventually what ends up happening is he decides, I'm gone. I, I have no other, yeah. no other course, uh, no other, no other source of, of trying to get your attention, and so it's just easier for me to just to just to walk away and leave, uh, because it, at the end of the day, my sanity is more important to me than because I didn't marry you for this, and that's essentially what right. a lot of men are saying without ever saying it. That's the crazy part. It shows up in him leaving, and you're saying, well, he's a wimp. He's not being supportive. Or he may say that she's leaving. She's not She's not being supportive. She's not doing those things. It's the same thing. And I'm not. I'm no Dr. Phil. I'm married. I know what it's like. I understand what, he, what he's talking about, right? I'm, right? I'm you in this scenario. And so my wife and I fig- tried to figure out ways of being able to allow me to pursue my dream of wanting to create a better life and a better le- legacy for my last name. And at the same time, balance that out with giving my daughters and giving her the time that she needs uh, to make things, to keep the marriage straight. So what are some of the things, so with all that being said, what are the things to try to make that bond stronger while you're still chasing your dream? So the, the, the good thing is my husband never lost sight of the love that he had for me. And I'm grateful for that because all last year we, we still did things as essentially a family, but we were separated. I think that was very helpful for me because he didn't just disappear. You know, he didn't just leave and was unseen or unheard from. Like I could tell that he didn't want to do that. You know, I could feel that it was not something he wanted to do, but like you said, it was something he had to do to get my attention. He just wanted to, make to get your attention. See it, you know? Yeah. And you, you know, like people say, you don't know what you have until it's gone. <laughs> Obviously I was so wrapped up in that dream that I really didn't, I didn't see what I had. And, and I love my husband to death. So what we ended up doing was we had a real conversation last year and the conversation was about what's most important and where, where am I in this? And I told him that I've, I've figured it out. I've learned. And I think I now have a better grasp on how to balance it all. You know, I think I had to have that time to myself last year to really get things together. Because one of the things I realized 2014, 2015, I was just like a freight train, just rolling, just rolling through. And I had structure, but I didn't have enough structure. I didn't have you know, I'm a one man show. Essentially, my sister is my assistant just photographically. So everything else behind the scenes, it's me. I'm emailing, I'm contracting, I'm editing, I'm doing all those things myself. And last year really helped me to realize that I don't have to do it all myself. And I'm, you know, for me to really be able to make this business, like you said, a legacy business, I can bring other people in to help me where I have more time with my family. And that's one of the things that I started implementing. Also, I started implementing um, more of an organized schedule. So prior to last year, I worked, you know, Monday, basically through Sunday, I realized that that was a 
huge mistake because even in just regular corporate America or any job, you know, even down to fast food, most people get two days off at some point. You know, it's a 40 hour work week, not a 120 hour work week. So what I decided was I was going to make sure that my schedule allowed time every week, not just the third Saturday of the month, but every week for my family. So I made business hours and I set them and I'm sticking to them. After my business hours, there's no communication. You know, my off days are my off days. Like now my clients know, don't contact me on a Sunday or a Monday because that is time that I spend with my family. That's personal time. Those are days that, you know, essentially I had to put to the side for me to make sure that I'm constantly giving the attention to my family where it's needed. And so far, like that has been one of the met like just the best decisions I could have ever made. So bringing people in to help me on the back end, you know, changing my schedule, sticking to my schedule, not letting opportunities or anything that's not like an absolute dire need interfere with what I've set in place. When you fall off the track, that's when you allow things to come in that can cause, you know, havoc in your life. And I've learned last year that this is not something that I want to play with anymore. Like my family is essential. I've figured it out. I am doing this for my family now. I'm able to prove it by spending quality time with them and not put it, making them come second to the business. They're now first and my business is now, you know, second. It's my way of life. And I absolutely love love, love, love what I do. I love my clients and my clients now understand how important my family is because it's one of the things that I speak about when I meet with my clients. It's something that I'm passionate about when I meet with my clients and my clients actually value that because at the end of the day, they're getting married and the goal obviously is for them to start their own family. So Working with a photographer that is passionate about her family and passionate about love and passionate about her craft, I feel like that just helps to tie my clients to me personally and in a business setting because they, they value my values. And I've learned what my values are through all of this that has happened to me. Let me tell you this. I, I have to say this to you. I want to say thank you for being vulnerable. We as creative professionals want to, you know, uh, show to the world that we have it all together. That's what we want to show, right? Because a wedding has to be perfect, just about, right? And But the truth of the matter is, if anyone who's shot a bunch of them knows that not one of them are ever perfect. In neither of our lives, neither of our marriages, or neither of our relationships, none of that. So I say all that to say thank you for being vulnerable. You dropped so many gems just in the last 30 seconds. You did an entire interview, like an hour and nine minutes that we've been on here. You've dropped so many gems <laughs> that a lot of people will say, well, Milton, you didn't talk about, the, she didn't talk about the X's and O's. She didn't talk about branding and, and how she connects with her clients. She just did if you heard her. If you really listened, you really would have heard her just talk about setting boundaries, putting actual boundaries that not only the, the, the your clients have to have to adhere to, that you have to adhere to. Outsourcing, understanding that if you really lay out your processes, can I tell you this? If you really lay out your processes, you realize how much work it really is for one person to, just to mm-hmm. run, to walk through the life cycle of, of, of a wedding. From the consultation all the way through to the deliverables and then and, and, and post, listen, it's, it's a lot. And so I respect the fact that this is, if you want to talk about what professional photography is, this is what professional, this is about running, this is professional business ownership. And this is sitting down and figuring out yeah. what it really takes to run the business so that you can be effective 
to your clients and at the same time, serve your family. And then obviously one of the things I heard you say, and I'm a testament to this, and that is, you know, I remember calling you and asking a question and you say, Milton, my husband and I have this, this deal where I can, you know, I, I'm tech to call because it's you, <laughs> but um, I got to jump off because we have the deal that, you know, we don't take any calls after a certain time. It was something like that. You said and he was sitting right next to you. I said, amen, sister. Hey, brother, how you doing? I'm gone. I, we will chat later. And I respect it. Right. Not only this is not just for clients, it's also, also yeah. for industry friends. Business is business. Yeah. Right. And that type of thing. So I respect everything that you said. And, and I heard you. I, it is my sincere hope that those who are listening to this podcast has heard you and, and they will implement this. If you are listening to this podcast and she is touching your spirit, please do me a favor and leave her a comment. Share your story because, again, th- this is happening more behind the scenes. And these are the things that are not talked about that I think that could potentially harm your business. And you don't even know. It's a silent killer. And it all happens at the last minute. And then now it's a knee-jerk reaction to try to fix. I'm going to wrap this up by asking you one last question. And that is, if you could tell, right? I ask everybody this question, Sierra. If you could give the Sierra from six years ago a piece of advice, knowing what you know now, what would it be? I would definitely tell her that following your dream is perfect and fine, but you need to make sure that you put your family first, that you set some guidelines as far as your clients, and that you realize that this, if you want it to be a legacy business and you want to be around a long time, that you definitely need to make sure that you have a team a support team in the industry. And other than that, I would do everything else the same because all of those lessons have helped me to be the person that I am today. And they have helped me to value my journey. I don't take any of this for granted because my journey was meant for me to make these lessons and to be able to grow from them. So that would be it. I got one last one. And that is... For, the, for, mm-hmm. for that person that's sitting on the fence, that's about the possibly thinking about taking the leap of faith, I, they're teeter-totter, and I want to go, I don't go. They got one, one foot on one side of the fence, one foot on the other. And if you're a man, that hurts. Here's the point. <laughs> <laughs> you just caught that, huh? You just caught it? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the point is don't teeter-totter. Make a decision. Either stay or right. jump. What would you tell that person? I would tell that person jump. J-U-M-P, jump. Because if you don't jump, You will live with regret the rest of your life. You will never know if it would have worked. My thought was always, I am educated. And this is my journey. You know, maybe someone else's story is a little different. But for me, it was, I'm educated. I'm a, I'm a go-getter. I'm, I'm a worker bee. There's never going to be a time that if this doesn't work out, that I would not be able to go back and put a resume in at any company and take the journey back into corporate America. It was never a moment in my mind where I was like, I would never be able to go back if I had to. Now, obviously, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> but for me, when I took that leap, It was a struggle, but it was so like it was just so worth it. And today, like sitting here, it's May of 2017 and I'm going to be going into my third year as a full time entrepreneur. Like, how does that like that is crazy to me. I, I would never have been able to say back in 2011, like just to know that I would be working for myself in 2017, that I would be 
a, a marriage that is supportive in a marriage that is just really the the basis of what love and support is supposed to be and that I would be able to spend quality time with my son to a point that I am. So had I not taken that leap, I would never have known this life. I would never have known this feeling that I have of just like, I literally wake up in pure joy every single morning because I'm doing what I love I know that's and right. I'm happy. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> like this is, and I don't know, like, <laughs> like on Facebook, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the type of person like every day. Oh, I, I, I'm very optimistic and I give a lot of positive vibes and, and a lot of times they, they may feel or people might think that they're not genuine or they're coming from a place of just craziness. But I literally wake up so happy every morning that I just want to share my joy with everyone else so that they at some point, maybe my words can help someone to find that happy feeling and that positive place in their life. Other than that, that's it. But definitely take the leap. Don't question your journey. If things go wrong, like Milton said, when you do something great, bad things might happen. It, you know, for the most part, they may happen, yeah. but you have they're to perceived as bad until you, you see to. the lesson. That's what I feel. They're perceived yeah. as a bad thing until you get to the other side and you realize, oh, that's why I had to go learn that lesson. It's preparing you for something else that's coming. That's correct. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I you know, I agree with that, that one. Correct. How can people find you? How, if people have questions and things like that, how can they find you? How can they follow your work? Um, yeah, um, you can find me. My website is southernamore.com and that is southern with amore. A M O R E dot com. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, I am Southern Amore as well. Um, you can also go to my blog. I have some beautiful weddings and photographs there as well. If you're interested in learning more about the journey, you're welcome to watch the video that Milton is going to link. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, again, oh, and my email is Sierra at Southern Amore. So people can ask you questions. They can call you, they can reach out to you, Sierra at Southern Amore. Of course. Okay. We want to thank you again for coming on to the show, for sharing your vulnerabilities, for sharing your story. Again, this is what I think the wedding industry is missing. And again, I I will reemphasize over and over and over and over and over and over again that, you know, if you don't have heart in your business and you don't have a little bit of vulnerability in your business, it's very hard to grow past, you know, just doing the, 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 the economy slash boutique weddings and, and, and you never have fulfillment in, in the business. And so I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Thank you again for coming on to the show. Look forward to having you come back and, and let's talk and we'll get into the X's and O's. That's what the people want. They want to know the X's and O's, the planning yes. and those types of things. And I'm, I'm super excited about that. So thank you again. And uh, until the next time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wedding Safari Podcast. Safarians, we would love to shout you out on the next episode. All you have to do is leave us a review inside of the iTunes platform, and we will be sure to shout you out on the next episode. Be sure to leave your full name, city, and state in your profession. Lastly, if you have any how-to questions about business, the wedding industry, branding, marketing, or systems, simply leave your question in the comments below, and we'll be sure to answer your question again on the next episode. Thanks again for listening. My name is Milton Lawrence. Stay blessed.